Hi guys from wherever you are around the world. Welcome, welcome. My name is Tayyip, Global Chat Setters, and welcome to another podcast where we share travel tips, travel advices, and pretty much how we do travel. Today's podcast is a huge podcast, is one that we've been waiting to do for a while, and this podcast will relate to issues which have been addressed to us during our several years of travel. This podcast is aimed specifically at one thing and one thing only, and that's DIY travel or do-it-yourself travel and how it is that we do our travel because all our travel is done by ourselves. I'm extremely excited to share with you guys how we do things. So over the next few minutes, hours, uh, you're going to learn and you're going to take first in from us how we travel, what we do, where we go, how we do it. And yeah, hopefully you'll learn the art of DIY travel like how we do. You don't need to take down any notes. You don't need to take, you don't need to write down anything. All you need to do is just listen and understand. And hopefully from here, you'll be able to grasp all aspects regarding accommodation, flights, traveling, and travel-related issues. So to begin, the first and only question that people ask us more often than how we are and how we're doing is what is DIY travel? At the onset, DIY travel is a brand that we created, which simply encompasses traveling, but in a way which people don't normally do it through travel agents or tour operators. This brand of ours is how we decided to travel by and decided to use over the past few years. And this way of travel has um, probably been the best thing that has ever happened to us. And yeah, it allows us to do things that we want to, when we want to, and how we want to. DIY travel is the most rewarding form of travel because it allows you flexibility. It allows you every opportunity that you as individual travelers or as travelers part of a small group would like to do on your own without any rush, without any pressure from other people. And this allows you to save money in the best possible way so that whatever you save, you can use on other things, on spending, on clothing, on shopping, on dining, or uh, going on adventures, doing experiences, whatever you feel you want to do, save the extra money and use it on other stuff and don't waste money on travel. Now that you have an understanding of what DIY travel is, we're going to elaborate further on all aspects relating to uh, DIY travel. And the first thing we're going to start off with before we get to booking accommodation and booking flights and traveling in and around new country, the first thing we're going to do is ask ourselves the all-important question, and that is, where do we want to go in this world? Many times it happens that people want to travel and like to travel, but don't know where to go. And it happens far too often 
that people just decide to follow suit, that they've heard from this person and that person who've been here and been there, that those places were nice. And ultimately, because they can't or they don't want to try something different, they rather stick to something that the common people go to or have been to and would like to choose that destination as one that they want to go to. Now, we need to understand that this ideology might work for some, but does not work for others. And when we say that, we mean that a person as an individual traveler or people as a group of travelers first need to understand where they want to go and if the destination they choose is something that they would love going to, love exploring, because there's a reason why people travel. People just don't travel by jumping on a plane and going to a new destination and saying that they've been there. One of the nicest things about travel is that when you go explore places, not only are you exploring a new place, you're also exploring a new or different culture, you're meeting different people, you're seeing different sites. All of these play an important role of making you determine whether the destination that you chose is one that's suitable for you. So if people like going to, for instance, uh, Tanzania in Zanzibar, not only does it have beautiful beaches and uh, a fantastic shoreline, Zanzibar is filled with culture. It has its roots deep in uh, the Arabic and Indian um, cultures, uh, Zanzibar specifically is predominantly a Muslim country and Tanzania or um, Dar es Salaam mainland is not as uh, Muslim orientated as Zanzibar is. Uh, it's more diverse. And yeah, so if you go into those two destinations, you need to understand that you're going to experience uh, a, two set, a set of different um, cultures. And if you're happy to explore both, and if you're happy to uh, see different cultures, then the place that those two places are a good destination. If you don't like uh, exploring cultures and exploring destinations, and only want to go for a holiday, then come to Dubai. Dubai is the world's oyster when it comes to um, international uh, traveling. The world uh, goes through Dubai. And, um, you know, it goes to different destinations, as most airlines use Dubai as a hub. So if you want a place that's um, diverse, and if you don't care about the culture, or if you're only looking for a good holiday destination, then Dubai is a place. Though Dubai has uh, an Islamic um, orientation, in terms of, um, you know, religious practice and halal food. The culture in Dubai is diverse. You'll meet people from all different walks of life on the street. And nine out of ten people that you do meet in Dubai are not local Arabs or are not local Emiratis. Uh, the people you meet are all foreigners. Some are from the Far East, some are from Africa. So, yeah, that's something you need to keep in mind. 
And if you are a traveler that just wants to go to a place that your best friend has been to or your auntie has been to or some family member has been to and you heard from their experience that this place is nice and you want to go check it out for yourself, then you can do that. But at the end of the day, you need to enjoy wherever you go in and you need to understand that when you travel, not only are you going there for the sake of traveling, but it also becomes an uh, issue of um, how much are you spending to get there, how much would your accommodation cost, uh, which airline are you going to use, and by some people spending uh, their life savings while others spending um, money that they saved over a few years to go on a, on a holiday, you want to make sure that the destination you choose is one that you will enjoy and that's where this podcast will try and help you achieve that goal uh, and probably make you save as much money as you can so that you can make your enjoy your holiday the most enjoyable one for you. So now you have an idea of where you want to go. You've heard that Turkey is nice. You've heard that Zanzibar is nice. You've heard that Thailand is nice. You've heard that Malaysia is nice. You've heard that Bali is nice. The question is, do you want to go to one of these destinations in your life, in your current year, in your current uh, few months, or do you want to try and attempt to do all this? Remember, everyone has a passion for travel somewhere in their blood, but not everyone can afford going uh, overseas some go overseas maybe once a year, some go every uh, uh, once in a while, maybe once every two or three years. And saving up for a holiday to some people is important because not many people can afford to just splash out uh, and buy tickets and accommodation on a whim. So as much as it's nice destinations to go to, there's a lot of homework that needs to be done prior to going to that destination so that you understand within your budget and within your capabilities, what is it that you have to save for? What is it that you have saved already in terms of spending? What is it that you're going to spend on on accommodation? And what is it that you're going to spend on on flights? Once you've got this idea or understanding, then you'll be able to take the next step. But before you book your accommodation and flights, and now that you have an idea of where you want to go, where there's one destination, where there's four destinations, you need to start canceling out the destinations that you feel are not accustomed to you. We say this because each destination might attract a different kind of crowd during a different time of, of the year, or it might uh, have a different... Um, weather that would not be suitable for you if, for instance, you live in hot and sunny South Africa in December and you go into cold and winter Turkey, which in most instances will be snowing in some parts, is that the, you need to ask yourself, is that the kind of holiday that I want? Do I want to leave a summer holiday in South Africa for a winter holiday in Turkey where I know I'm not going to be going to the beaches, I'm not going to be swimming in the pools. All I'm going to be doing is sitting in the room, freezing, going out, 
dressing up warm with layers, going to the sites, coming back, and being indoors as much as I can because it's going to be cold outside. Likewise, London as well, France, uh, most of the Northern Hemisphere um, countries in December, November, January, experience or, uh, or have the winter. So there's every chance that these destinations might be too cold for you to enjoy or um, too cold to do certain activities. But if you're comfortable going to those cities, knowing that you are limited in terms of what you can do, then go for it. But if you're a thrill seeker that wants to go to the beaches, that wants to go hiking, that wants to go mountain climbing, that wants to go um, exploring and can't do things in the cold or can't do things in winter, then don't go to those destinations. And please don't just go there for the sake of going because that's not how travel is. So where those northern hemisphere uh, destinations might be limited, you can then look at the possibility of going to the far east and trying all the destinations in the subtropical areas, such as Bali, Thailand, Malaysia, um, India also. And you can see from there that, okay, we have in our Decembers in South Africa, it's warm. If I go to the Far East, I know I'm going to get a subtropical climate. Yes, in December, in certain areas, it may rain, but it's not monsoon places. Monsoon is only, for instance, in uh, India during your uh, June, July uh, months during our winter. Uh, if you go into Bali in December, uh, it does tend to rain a lot, but it rains for only short periods during the day or night. And most times uh, you'll have a nice sunny day, which would turn out to be um, um, where uh, uh, it would either rain in the in the morning or clear up by the afternoon or be sunny in the morning and rain in the afternoon. But it won't be prolonged where you won't be able to enjoy it. We've been to Bali three consecutive years in December. And on each occasion, each year that we went, though we did experience some rain, it wasn't something that spoiled our holiday. It actually made our holiday nicer. As the kids at times would love to swim in the beach with the rain or in the pool with the rain, it's, it's warm. You have no reason not to go in the water because the waters were always warm, the beaches were always warm, the pools were always warm. So that was something we enjoyed. So then you need to ask yourself, do I like to go to a place that's cold? Do I want to layer myself up? Or do I want to go to a destination where I can go and swim, enjoy the beach, go see the local spots, go see the local attractions? And uh, once you've got an understanding of what you want. Remember, it's up to you as a traveler or up to you as a group of travelers to decide is the destination best for me or is the destination best for us. And once you've come to that determination that this place or this destination is right, then you take the next step of doing whatever you need to do to get to that destination. But remember, planning a holiday it needs to be done at least a few months before because the more 
you delay the opportunity to book flights. And the more you delay an opportunity to book accommodation, you tend to lose the early bird offers and you tend to lose the specials that are run from time to time when people do book in advance. And we all know from experience that booking last minute, not only are you going to pay um, demand prices, but also you're going to just be wasting money unnecessarily. If you haven't already signed up to the emails from the airlines, such as Etihad, Qatar, uh, Emirates, you need to do that ASAP. Subscribe to the lists or to the specials list. Get the emails that come in on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis so that you can wait to see what offers come your way. And that will give you an understanding or an indication um, of what it is that you might be going to spend on um, a ticket, uh, a return ticket. So in most instances, uh, airlines do tend to have sales from time to time. However, only a certain uh, amount of flights to a single destination are done by certain airlines per week or per day, depending on the destination. And you need to see from there whether that airline is one uh, that you'd like to go on, whether uh, the airline or the flight on offer meets your budget. Because I can tell you from... uh, Uh, experiences that we had sometimes the destination that you choose like Bali is not easily accessible by all airlines Um, I know Emirates flies to it freely um, and we've flown on uh, Qatar as well however um, both of them uh, uh, you need to do the stopover or the layover in either uh, Dubai or Doha. And as an alternative, you can also fly to Malaysia. Um, and from Malaysia, you can take a local or the AirAsia flights into, into Bali. Or you can fly to Singapore as well. Uh, from Singapore, you can fly down to Bali. So um, there are options. But remember that route is one of the most uh, priciest routes from all the airlines that we've flown on, especially um, uh, going to Bali during uh, December or um, over the festive period when we, like how we did, um, you tend to pay a little higher than what you would expect to pay normally. But if you book it way in advance, uh, you could get it for, uh, at least under 10,000 rand per person return. And if you do get that, then that's price. I can share with you a story of our first time when we went to Bali. Um, part of our DIY travel, um, we were still exploring all different avenues available to us on how to book ourselves. Our reluctance to use a travel or tour operator uh, didn't just... Uh, happen uh, overnight. It's uh, from few instances where we've used travel or two operators before, and um, one on one or two occasions, the service wasn't the best. And the other times when you book, you receive these vouchers telling you where you're going to go. And sometimes when you end up at the hotel, 
or you don't end up at the hotel on the voucher a day before the travel agent will phone you and say, hey, uh, the hotel is sold out. We're moving you to another hotel. And that just messes your brains up. It just messes your whole mood. You 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 tend to become upset. You tend to uh, then not enjoy your holiday. And to eradicate all that and all that unnecessary uh, grief and sorrow and stress, we decided that the best thing to do for ourselves is to book how we want to, when we want to, and go where we want to. And since then, we've been able to do things the best possible way we could, and that's uh, the way we like it currently. So when we booked our first flight to Bali, we, um, like I said, we signed up for this uh, on the mailing list of all these um, um, airlines, but we also signed up uh, on the mailing list of Travel Start, which is a South African-based travel company that uh, offers good deals from time to time. And um, what I'm going to share with you to, to uh, later on in this podcast is now how we've learned to travel uh, and book tickets on our own. But uh, when we didn't know about booking tickets on our own, we've used Travel Start, and uh, they had a special which they ran um, in 2016. It was uh, in September, so. I know Travel Start has its uh, birthday around September, and usually they have like eight days of travel uh, deals or like a whole week of travel deals. So we found a flight um, in December uh, to Bali for eight thousand five hundred. I think it was return or eight triple nine, which was uh, extremely extremely cheap. Uh, for Bali and the dates that we had in mind they they gave us a set date like four set dates so either fly out on the 10th of December return on the 31st fly out on the 5th return on the 25th it was like that but um, we could only choose from those four dates that were given and we we, I remember we chose the 10th December departing with a return on the 31st of December yes returning on uh New Year's uh, Eve or leaving uh, the day before the New Year, which was said, but um, yeah, we had to do it. And we enjoyed that trip. We, we flew on Qatar for the first time ever. Uh, you know, Qatar is one of the finest airlines. Uh, it's won multiple awards for, uh, you know, the best airline. And I can safely say that flying with Qatar is the best thing you can do if you like uh, traveling and if Qatar goes to one of your destinations, you must fly Qatar. It's, it's, it's a great experience and we had no issues. The airport in Doha was fantastic. Uh, though we had a lengthy trans, um, a lengthy layover. I think it was about eight hours or so. Um, but yeah, we managed that. And later on in this podcast, I'm going to share with you the tips uh, regarding uh, airports and airport lounges. But, uh, yeah, we spent uh, the better part of uh, the transit in the airport lounge. And then eventually, um, the connecting flight to, to Bali was just so nice. It was, it was 
um, a short, I think it was about seven hours, seven or eight hours from Doha. Um, but yeah, the whole experience was good. We saved money. We normally, uh, had we not booked in advance, is how we did in September. Friends of ours who booked uh, last minute ended up paying 13500 uh around there for a return ticket. So we did save a considerable amount of money by booking in advance. That being said, we booked our flights in September. We had no accommodation booked. Um, but that's something that we're going to tell you and teach you how to do in this podcast. Whether you book flights first or you book accommodation first, it does not matter. There's no set rule that you need to book tickets then you need to book accommodation, then you need to go to your destination. You can book your accommodation first and then wait for tickets. You can book your tickets first and then wait for accommodation. Uh, it does not matter. So long as you get to your destination and enjoy it and save money in the process, that's uh, the most important thing. Apart from using Travel Start, we did book direct with airlines on a few occasions. Uh, when we went to Bangkok, we uh, flew on Kenya Airways. Again, the experience was fantastic. The flights that we got were were super cheap. Um, you know, we we had no regrets booking the flight. Many people told us that you know you can't travel on Ethiopian Airways, you can't travel on Kenyan Airways, um, and those who prefer luxury airlines such as Emirates or Etihad or Qatar would tell you that, no, um, you know, you can't fly on uh, 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 the African um, uh, airlines such as Ethiopia and Kenya. I'd rather go with Emirates than, you know, you know, you get in a better experience. That's all nonsense. We've flown on Ethiopian Airways. We've flown on Kenya Airways. And I can safely say that the best experience that we had uh, in all our recent years of travel is when we flew on the Kenya flight to Mumbai. We um, we found those tickets again direct on, on the Kenyan website. We paid 4100 for a return ticket to Mumbai. 4100 was our return ticket that we paid for to Dubai, which was extremely cheap. Dubai, uh, um, I mean, M- Mumbai Flights in general range from about six and a half to eight thousand uh, on the return, and we got these for four thousand one hundred per person. So we were overly excited. It was uh, again over December. We left, I think, towards the middle of December, and we returned uh, somewhere in January. So yeah. Uh, our experience on booking Kenya was fantastic. Though the flight to uh, Nairobi was um, one of your smaller flights, obviously because uh, it might not have been as busy. So um, we flew on a 737-800, which was the normal Kulula flights that you get in our local uh, South African travel. But our connecting flight, we managed to get a very unique experience. We flew on the Kenyan Airways Dreamliner uh, aeroplane. It's a seven eight seven, a Boeing seven eight seven, which at the time was uh, new, and um, I think it was just uh, re- uh, newly introduced. 
And that flight was one of the best we've flown on. The whole 787 experience was just utterly amazing. Uh, the cabin was big. The pl- plane itself was big. It was spacious. And yeah, that was the only 787 experience we had uh, uh, in all our travels or in all our recent travels. But that's the one we can uh, point out as being the most uh, enjoyed from uh, all our flights. At the end of the day, don't be afraid to book any airline. There's no um, specific airline that you need to book to get to a specific place. Always remember that um, certain flights or certain airlines only fly to certain places. So if the one of the airlines that you want to book uh, is not uh, a fly, uh, an airline which flies to a certain place, try, and, uh, try the alternative. And I, for one, like doing that because each airline... Remember, is local to the country that it uh, uh, ori- that it originates from. So, for instance, if you take in um, a flight from Kenya to Mumbai, the cuisine that you're going to get is Kenyan cuisine on the flight. You know, so that's always something good to try. And um, likewise, if you're flying on Qatar, uh, you get the Arabic dishes or you get Arabic meals as your um, offering on the flight. So each flight is unique and each experience is different. Don't ever um, choose one over the other or uh, not take one because you heard this person say that or this person didn't like it. It's ultimately which uh, airline goes to what destination and uh, who offers the best price for you. Because any amount of money you save can always be used on other things during your holiday. As having alluded to earlier, I told you that our travels um, evolved where we stopped using travel agencies and uh, certain travel sites, and we've only stuck to one, which works best for us. It's the best to use, and um, if you're not booking directly with the airline itself, for instance, if you're not going on Emirates or Etihad or Kenya Airways, the best website to use to gauge um, the cheapest fare uh, from all the flights on offer to a specific destination is to use the app called Skyscanner. Skyscanner is uh, easy to understand. It's uh, very convenient to use. And what Skyscanner does is that it has a whole um, a plethora of booking uh, agencies who... Um, Uh, advertise their their rates and their flights uh, on this website. So, for instance, if you go in on 8th of uh, May and you return in on the 15th of May to Dubai um, and you put those dates in, you don't need to choose a specific airline. What happens is all the prices for all the airlines on offer through all the booking um, agencies will appear and then you at uh, liberty to choose which one you want or uh, what price you want, because it will offer you direct uh, flights, it will offer you flights with layovers, it will offer you indirect flights, and it will also offer you the cheapest flight currently in the market for that trip. And that's what you ultimately want to do, is you want to save money and book the cheapest trip. Um, So that that website, Skyscanner, works best for us. I will not be explaining how to use Skyscanner in this podcast, However, we do have a different podcast for uh, understanding Skyscanner and mastering the app or the site so that um, you can 
do it yourself because there are certain tricks and traps that we share um, or we used uh, to assist us in uh, getting the best deal or the cheapest flight. And um, that's how we do our travels. That's how we book our flights. We only use Skyscanner and we've only been using Skyscanner for the past few years. And that's worked out well for us. The thing with Skyscanner is it might take you to third-party booking sites. So from Skyscanner, say, for instance, you select the cheapest flight that pops up and it takes you to a site called uh, budget.com or lastminute.com. Um, that's the site that's offering the flights or the seats uh, at the reduced price. You can book it or you have to book it rather through that uh, site. It will ask you to punch in your um, passport details and to complete the payment is how you normally book on any uh, normal payment page. And yeah, then they issue you the boarding passes and you're good to go. What you can do also is you can verify uh, with your booking reference against um, the actual website of the airline. For instance, if you booked through lastminute.com and you booked on Etihad and you've got your booking reference, all you need to go is uh, all you need to do is go on Etihad's website and uh, try to do an online check-in or try to manage your booking and it will ask you for uh, passenger details, booking reference and yeah, once you fill that in, you'll be able to see that your flight that you booked with uh, the booking agent corresponds to that of uh, the airline itself and you're all good to go. One thing to remember when booking these flights is that most of the chief flights that are available on offer at the time are are non-refundable. You can, while you're doing the payments, uh, they ask you whether you want to upgrade to a premium package where it allows you more flexibility. If you choose or select no, then ultimately, if you ever need to cancel or change this booking, uh, you will lose your, your fees paid. So you need to be 100% certain that when you are traveling and on the days that you are booking uh, for, that uh, you do end up going because you won't be able to get um, a refund unless, obviously, for COVID reasons, the flight doesn't leave, uh, then the agency uh, will refund you. But uh, if you choose to uh, cancel or change voluntarily, then uh, you stand to lose the monies you paid. Just to give you an understanding of the magnitude of uh, how uh, important it is to look for the cheapest flight, I'll give you our recent example that we, the flight that we booked to Dubai uh, when we uh, came now recently, the flights that were on offer direct with Emirates, direct with Qatar, uh, for, four, for two adults and two kids uh, on a return was working out to 45000 and thirty-eight thousand uh, for the for all four of us, um, which was extremely high. Uh, that being said, well, because of the expo that was happening in Dubai, the inbound flights uh, were uh, expensive and more expensive than usual, and that obviously uh, makes the fare in general a bit higher. But what happened was we went on Skyscan as we usually did, and. Um, we managed to get our flights on Qatar with a nine-hour layover for a combined fee of 19000 some odd. So that worked out to 4, 8, 12, 16. Yeah, it was about 4, 8 per person, uh, somewhere around there. And that was for a return on Qatar from Joburg to Dubai with a layover in Qatar uh, in Doha. And 
from 20,000 and uh, where 35 or 38 and 40 was a normal phase, we almost saved uh, 50% on our uh, phase just by booking through Skyscanner. Obviously, booking through Skyscanner means that you're going to be booking on a cash basis. This does not apply to um, frequent flyer programs or frequent flyer miles that you could have accumulated or did accumulate and want to use. Um, using frequent flyer miles uh, is a different process, and uh, that can be done also um, if you have access to Skyward miles or, um, you know, uh, One World Alliance members. Uh, all those uh, miles that you accumulate while flying on a specific uh, airline, and so long as uh, that airline is uh, part of a certain, um, you know, group, you can always interchange um, your miles on other airlines that fall part of the group. But that's not the topic of discussion for this uh, podcast. The, this podcast is solely on the basis of cash uh, purchases and the cheapest uh, way to buy, obviously, a ticket uh, on a cash basis is uh, through Skyscanner. Now that you have secured your, your flights, you need to now focus on booking your accommodation. Again, there are several ways to book accommodation. The obvious one being to contact or to go on the um, uh, hotel's website and try and book direct. The second option is to use, like how we've booked our flights on a third-party site such as Skyscanner, you can uh, book your flights on... Um, a very popular uh, site or many popular sites such as Booking.com, Agoda.com, Amoma.com. Um, all these sites offer um, accommodation uh, through their third-party websites. And generally, the accommodation that you book through these sites are a fraction cheaper than what it is booking direct. The only reason why someone would book direct, again, is if you have um, or if you are privy to um, the offerings of the uh, memberships of the specific chain hotel that you like. For instance, if you are Hilton Honors member and you have access to, like, um, you know, their tier memberships such as the silver, gold, diamond, and uh, if you're comfortable booking at the hotel and like staying at that brand, then you can continue doing that. Obviously, uh, that's different to booking uh, on a cash basis again because booking points is not uh, what we're discussing in terms of accommodation. Um, we're going to be discussing solely on what it is to purchase uh, a normal night without using points at the cheapest possible rate. So, you've chosen or you have an idea of uh, well, before before you even book your accommodation, you need to focus on the areas that you want to be in. So, for instance, if you come into Dubai, there are certain areas which are more nicer than others. Not to say that none of the areas are good, but in terms of convenience, in terms of practicality, in terms of closeness to malls, uh, those are all things that you need to keep in consideration when booking um, so that you know what you want as a traveler. Do you like running out of the hotel and walking a few meters to get into a mall? 
if that's you then a certain areas that are uh uh nice to book at uh, which offer access to the malls if you are a person who likes um the the opulent areas such as marina and jbr and want to be away from uh the hustle and bustle of the city itself then you can book uh those res- uh, those regions if you the type that wants to be on the palm and wants exclusivity and wants to stay at the high end resorts on the palm um then you can choose to be at the palm if you want if you the type that wants to explore the authenticity and the old dubai and um want to be in that area which is close to the souks close to the markets close to um you know the uh going out and walking part of dubai with no malls no big malls close by then you can choose bird dubai you can choose dera you can choose um uh areas such as those which offer a nice um uh way for you to explore going to the uh, souks going to the night markets um so yeah it all depends on where you want to go when we booked our trip we uh sort of excluded possibilities of um choosing a specific place and yeah we opted to go for uh you know what works best for us but obviously because we book long term that's not going to work out for you so my or my opinion would be that if you are booking the safest place to book or the nicest place to book um safest in a sense where you know you won't make a mistake on having chosen the wrong area or having chosen a place that wouldn't be nice i would i would go for uh albarsha which is um around or in the vicinity of Uh, the mall of the emirates the area itself is nice there's um access to a lot of restaurants is access to all the small side shops that uh sell tea and um you know your your everyday snacks so for convenience for ease of uh eating uh albarsha is a very nice place uh to 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 be in uh and it's it's probably in the heart uh of Dubai between going down towards the Palm and um downtown where Burj Khalifa is and beyond that where Dera and the airport is it's 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 quite central so Albarsha is a nice area there are several big chain hotels uh, in Albarsha including IG Hilton Millennium um these are all uh, hotel chains which offer both hotel style accommodation and uh, apartment like accommodation so for instance a hotel would be your normal hotel studio uh, your normal hotel uh, open plan st- set up with your king bed and you know uh, no kitchen or kitchenette then you have the apartment style setups which offer studio one bedroom two bedroom if you're a bigger family and want uh, extra space uh, that's also an option and um yeah once you choose a hotel that uh, suits you or um you comfortable in a in a hotel that's uh, obviously offers a bit more space in that then you know you you've uh, selected the right place and uh you book it but booking it means that you need to still look for the best or the cheapest price because 
certain uh, hotels do offer on their own websites uh, specials from time to time. For instance, if you book three nights, you get the fourth night free. Or if you book um, 10 days in advance, you get 20% off, uh, etc. So those uh, offers are continued and um, are available uh, to book directly on the hotel website. But that being said, you can book through third-party sites and we favor the third-party sites uh, because you do get good deals uh, also. So say, for instance, you've chosen um, the Millennium Hotel in Al-Barsha. Now you want to know, okay, uh, what's the best price I can get? What's the best deal I can get? The first thing that you need to do is go on the actual website of the um, hotel and put in the dates that you want and see what's the offer or uh, what's the rate they giving you for the duration of your stay. Once you've got that, then you go onto a, a website called Hotels Combined. So in your Google search, you type in the words Hotels Combined, all one word. And uh, that will open up. And from there, you'll be able to uh, punch in the dates that you want. And um, in the area that you obviously you wish to stay in, so if you're right there, Al-Barsha, it will normally pick up. You don't have to say Al-Barsha, Dubai. It might pick up. You just put Al-Barsha. Um, and then if you put the dates in, it will show you, obviously, all the hotels for, that, for those specific dates. And um, you can then from there decide uh, or see if, number one, the hotel that you chose is cheaper than the one, uh, if the rate given uh, by the hotel you chose is cheaper on uh, hotels combined, or uh, is it the same price as what it is to book direct? If it's the same price as what it is to book direct, then rather you book direct because you can sign up with the membership with them and accumulate points. And yeah, th that always works. But if it's a hotel that you've, uh, or a hotel chain that you don't generally use in a hurry or would never stay in but for the strip, um, then you can always book through uh, a Hotels Combined because um, whichever site that you book on through Hotel Combined, uh, like Hotel Combined would take you to a specific site such as Booking.com, Amoma.com, Agora.com. And from there, the more you book, with this, uh, like with booking.com or moma.com or goda.com, you sort of get perks and benefits uh, and discounts, um, you know, when when making future bookings. So it's always a good thing to, to use these sites as well because your booking won't go uh, for nothing. Um, you will still benefit somehow uh, by booking on these sites. We are not going to discuss how to master hotels combined in this podcast, we will be doing a separate podcast uh, elaborating on uh, the tricks and tips of booking uh, through the third-party sites, especially uh, using hotels combined and uh, what it is that you need to do to try and get the best deal for you, how you can gauge uh, whether the hotel you like is the best for you or whether there are certain other ones. Um, because it's not only about looking at one place and booking in one area. Sometimes you'll get a three-star hotel in the place that you like, but at the same time, there might be a five-star hotel in a different place, which could be uh, which could be the same rate and which would be a better option. 
So um, there's a way to see, there's a way to get notified, there's a way to um, explore uh, hotels combined, and that will be discussed in our other podcast, uh, like how we'll discuss the, the art of mastering Skyscanner. We'll also be touching on the art of mastering uh, hotels combined and uh, using your accommodation to, uh, or using these sites to maximize the accommodation and to save you money. Once you've booked your accommodation, once you've got your um, flights sorted out, the next thing that you need to do is to make sure that you get your visas uh, in order. But before you do uh, the visas and before you even book the flight or your, your, your accommodation, you need to make sure that your passports are in order. It's of primary importance and it happened or it happens far too often that people get excited to book flights or people get excited to book accommodation and uh, not realizing that uh, one of the parties in your group, uh, their passports aren't in order or their passports are going to expire. And I can tell you this from uh, the experience of family and friends who booked that when your passport is due to expire, and if you're in that six months of, uh, you know, your passport uh, expiring, or if you in, uh, or if your passport doesn't have uh, more than two or three pages left in it, you will experience problems at the airport. You might not be able to board flights, and you might not continue your journey if the air, if the immigration officer picks up that your that your passport is due to expire within six months or doesn't have sufficient pages to uh, to stamp, that will become a problem. And um, the person who's been affected definitely will not fly or will not continue that travel. So please, step one, routinely check your passports, routinely ensure that your passports have sufficient space on them Routinely ensure that your passport does not expire. Yes, it lasts for five years for uh, kids. Uh, the laws might change and might become 10 years. And yes, it's 10 years for adults. But still, don't take for granted the fact that, you know, you still need to check your passport because this is one thing that would cause a huge problem uh, on your trip and might even make your trip impossible to continue if it uh, if the immigration officer picks it up that you know your your passports are not in order with that it's always a good thing to take out travel insurance yes it's a sensitive topic for some others might disagree uh, i'm not here to give the islamic fatwa on it but what i can suggest is in today's day and age of travel and travel related issues that do arise from uh, curtailment of journeys um, and, um, you know, things that are beyond your control, such as baggage loss and um, flight delays. The options are available to you. We have used uh, travel insurance on some occasions and um, where it worked best was when we really were stranded. And... Um, if you don't take travel insurance when you travel, 
you and you're comfortable with the idea that in the event that you miss your flight, which cost you maybe five grand, and you need to get another ticket and have excess funds to pay for another ticket immediately, then travel insurance is not for you. But if you don't have access to extra funds, and if you're wary about traveling to uh, countries and um, you've saved up your spending and you don't have excess money to 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 splash in the event of an in, in, in the event of an emergency, it's always a good thing to take out travel insurance. We've used companies such as uh, AIG. Um, well, if you're using a credit card, most um, banks or financial institutions do uh, offer you um, your entry-level uh, insurance uh, when using or when swiping your card to purchase the tickets. You you can't opt in or opt out from it. It just happens uh uh, the moment you use your credit card to purchase a ticket, the cover is immediate. Um, and that's obviously entry cover. With that, you can take a top-up cover or you can boost it um, depending on which uh, um, insurance company your financial institution um, works with. I know we've used uh, AIG uh, for several years and uh, then we started using uh, Bates or Bites insurance. But yeah, um, insurance, travel insurance is available and we recommend that you use it, especially when you go into countries you haven't been to or if it's your first time traveling to a, a Far East country and if you have like long uh, layovers in between, uh, travel insurance does uh, matter and it could help you in emergency. I'll give you an example uh, on how we used travel insurance on two occasions and it worked for us. The first time we, we used travel insurance was uh, when we were flying to, to Bangkok. We uh, flew obviously on Kenya Airways to get to, uh, to, to Bangkok and what we did was we landed in Bangkok and immediately we had a um, a connecting flight to to Phuket. What happened was the flight in Kenya uh, got delayed, and immediately once your flight gets delayed, the first thing you need to do is take out your cell phone and take a picture of the sign that says your flight is delayed, and take a picture of any time uh, stamp, whether it's on the um, information board, normally at the airport, the information boards have time and date. You can try and get that in your picture so you know you have some sort of proof uh, when you do need to use it. So our flight got delayed. When we got to Bangkok, we had to travel from one airport, uh, which was the International Arrivals Airport, to another airport, which was a domestic departure airport, which uh, if you uh, try and uh, understand the difference between the two, it's like arriving at... Uh, Watambo International and then having to fly out from in Syria, which is, you know, quite a distance away. So that was our, uh, uh, that's what we needed to do. But because our flight was uh, delayed inbound, uh, when we arrived in uh, Bangkok, uh, we literally were touch and go with regards to our outbound flight or our connecting flight rather to uh, Phuket. 
And eventually when we reached the airport, literally we got to the terminal and our flight already departed. Um, so the question was then what do we do next? We went to the, uh, um, the ticket counter. We asked them if there was an available flight. They said, nope, the only available flight that was left for that day was uh, the late evening flight. And we had obviously landed or reached the airport in the afternoon, late afternoon. So we had to wait for a few hours at the airport, which we didn't mind. Um, were they going to uh, compensate us? Nope. The, uh, the uh, airline did not offer any compensation because it was a misconnection on our side. It had nothing to do with them. The thing that we needed to do was we needed to purchase new tickets, which we had not budgeted for. But um, thankfully, we had enough uh, um, cash to or uh, money available to buy the tickets. Um, so we had to d dig into our, our spending, holiday spending, and we bought the tickets and we waited for the next flight. Now you must know you're already um, tired. Your flight got, you missed your flight. Um, you didn't anticipate the use of uh, your spending to purchase another flight. Whatever um, plans you had for that evening or whatever you thought you were going to do on the first day when you landed in Phuket, um, it's now gone out the window. But anyway, we got the late flight, which was around 10 p.m., and I think it was an hour flight or an hour and a half flight to get to Phuket. We land in Phuket. What we did was we intended to hire a car. So we, luckily for us, we had a pre-existing um, booking confirmation through Avis where um, our car was to be rented for X amount of days and all we needed to do was collect the car uh, from the um, from the airport when we landed. And yeah, we, uh, that was what we intended to do because we never want to spend money unnecessarily on taxis. When we got through immigrations and we got out of the airport, walking towards now where the car rentals were, we get to the car rental place, it's closed. They closed, they're supposed to have closed at 12 o'clock midnight, but from 10 o'clock or half past 10, uh, we waited for at least half an hour and no one came. Again, we took a picture of that and uh, we couldn't wait any longer because it was getting late and we asked the security guard where the person was. They said they had no idea, but if the doors are locked or closed, they would imagine that, you know, they're going home. So we left the airport building, we took a taxi, and yeah, for the next few days, obviously, when we tried to get a car, because it was over Christmas and New Year's, the car rentals were all sold out, and it just so happened that uh, we were stuck without a car, and we were forced to use taxis, and um, obviously, using taxis is fine, but using too many taxis during the day becomes costly, that's why renting a car is sometimes cheaper especially when you like going out and about or you know exploring uh, different places um, and going further than the normal tourist uh, areas 
uh, a taxi just becomes too costly. But anyway, we were forced to use a taxi for several days. And what we did was we kept all the receipts uh, from whatever taxi we used uh, and whatever taxis, even if it was a hotel shuttle that we used to take us to or in between hotels, we used that. We kept the receipts. And when we came home, I lodged a claim for um, a misconnection or, you know, uh, I think it was the misconnection that we claimed for. And with the misconnection, not only did we get reimbursed for the flights that we paid, we were also reimbursed for the um, uh, for the uh, car rental that we must as well. And having been forced to take taxis, uh, that they covered us for as well. So whatever we spent on taxis um, and uh, for the flight that we had to pay, we managed to get back uh, our monies just because we had travel insurance uh, in place. On another occasion, when we flew to India... We flew from Air, well, we flew with Air Seychelles via Seychelles, and on our return, we said, you know what, we'll never ever get the opportunity to come to Seychelles unless we book a specific holiday to Seychelles. But because we were taking a stopover both ways, going and coming, we decided to extend our stopover on the return leg and decided to spend a few days in Seychelles and then continue our journey back uh, home back to South Africa. So um, when we booked our tickets uh, on this occasion, we booked it direct with Air Seychelles because they were having a um, sale uh, with the airline itself. And when we asked them to extend the uh, the return journey, we only had to pay a, a small amount um, to, to allow us to take four days uh, on the island. And that worked out was it four days? No, I think it was four or five days on the island. And that worked out well for us because um, then we knew we had a second holiday out of nothing. Out of just taking the um, extended layover, we managed to get, a, a, um, you know, another holiday coming back from India. Anyways, when we landed in Seychelles, having left Mumbai to return back to South Africa, Obviously, we were going to get off at Seychelles because now we had this um, four-day layover or extended layover. We get through to the immigrations and to the baggage hall to reclaim our bags. And to our luck, uh, two of our bags came and a third bag just didn't come. We waited for a while and eventually... Um, we managed to ask for some assistance and were told that, no, you know, uh, the bag might not have been put on the plane and they'll send the bag within 48 hours to us. Now, the problem we had with that was that bag was the food bag. And uh, not only did it have food, but it also had uh, nappies, it had, uh, I think, formula, and it had a uh, few of the uh, clothes, toys and Taya's clothes, uh, was somewhere in the in that bag because it was kind of a big bag, so uh, we had all our odds and ends in there, um, and I think the summer clothes, uh, the extra summer clothes, were all in there uh, because we never anticipate going on now a a um, you know beach holiday, but we did have our beach clothes and stuff uh, which we do travel with, um, so yeah, that was in that bag. When the bag didn't arrive. We were told by SHL support staff that, no, we need to go to the hotel. 
and um, they'll try and get it to us uh, within the next 48 hours. And immediately, because we had travel insurance, one of the benefits of travel insurance, or if you take the top-up cover, is that they cover you for immediate um, necessities. Um, so where we needed uh, formula, we needed uh, nappies, we needed um, clothing, um, all our toiletries were not there, our shampoos were not there. All that we needed to, um, you know, get or go and buy. And now after coming from a holiday in Mumbai, we didn't anticipate that we'd be requiring more spending to buy new stuff, new clothes, new formula, new whatever it was. Um, so, yeah, we were again in a problem. Uh, we did have access to, to funds, uh, but obviously coming from India where the conversion was um, one rand was like four and a half or five rupees, here you're going to a place that's dealing solely in euros. Now, one euro was 17 or 18 rand at the time. And that was something we didn't budget for. Like, um, you know, getting our snacks or getting food and getting uh, the kids' formula, you're going to be spending now in euros where uh, you didn't overly budget for for that. We budgeted just to be at the hotel and um, explore a little bit of the island and, you know, continue our journey back home. But... Uh, because our bag didn't arrive, uh, immediately the option of uh, lost baggage kicked in and uh, the policy does allow you for uh, to purchase emergencies uh, or necessities, provided you keep the slip or the receipt and provided you, um, you know, obviously you have to purchase it and uh, they reimburse you when you do claim. And yeah, that worked for us. We got whatever we needed for, for Tehya and Toha and um, we managed to get the necessities that we needed. We didn't use, obviously, the whole 3,000 euros available. We only used a portion of that, but that still helped. So uh, in all these instances, you can't foresee any of these uh, lost baggage or curtailment of journey uh, occurring. But if you do have travel insurance, then it, 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 it does help, uh, especially when you... Uh, lose out on unnecessary uh, expenditure, um, claiming it back does, does make a difference at the end. So, yeah, to have travel insurance is sometimes a good thing. Uh, if you find without having travel insurance, it's entirely up to you. And ensuring that your passport is in order is uh, of primary importance before you book a flight or before you leave the country. Uh, just make sure everything is in order because you don't want to end up with problems. And then getting your visa is the third thing that you need to do. So whichever agency you use or travel agency that you use or um, if you're doing it directly on the website, uh, you can always do your visas yourself. Um, and yeah, once you get your visa, once you have your passport in order, once you have your accommodation booked and once you have your uh, flights booked, you're good to go. What we do is we generally don't uh, exchange uh, currency. Uh, we're not comfortable with the idea of taking currency with us, uh, especially when we leave South, South Africa. 
what we do is um, we tend to use our cards as often as we can. Uh, and the nice, it, well, it works for us uh, in a sense where whatever the rate is on the day, um, with a conversion, obviously, uh, you, you're going to be paying just a small percentage for the conversion fees. And um, you don't need to carry extra cash with you. You just tap and go everywhere in Dubai, everywhere uh, in the world, most places uh, would allow you to uh, tap and go. The world has evolved to that. Uh, yes, there are certain places in Dubai that would still ask you for cash. If you go into a knife souk or um, night market where people don't generally uh, have, um, uh, you know, the pay and tap uh, uh, machines, you will be forced to withdraw. But that's only for a small amount. And um, yeah, once you start getting small amounts, you don't tend to lose and you don't tend to get conned because the more money you carry in your pocket, um, and we've heard from experiences where other travelers went to Turkey and, um, you know, the taxi drivers or the tour operators, um, it is said, but this is what happened. This is how we can relate to you tend to, um, you know, see vulnerability in tourists. And what happens is, or an example of what was told to us was um, one of our friends went and uh, they took a taxi to a certain place in Turkey. And um, after they were done for the day, the taxi driver gave them an amount to pay. And it was like $110 or something like that or $101 or somewhere somewhere along those lines. And what happened was um, our friend paid and the taxi driver immediately took the money. And in your confusion, like, you know, especially when you're going to a new place, not, not being comfortable handling dollars or not being comfortable handling uh, lira or dirham and not knowing the currency uh, uh, denominations and such, like, you're always nervous. So they paid over the money, and the taxi driver is like, uh, no, you only paid me, like, $101. It's supposed to be 110 Like, uh, here's the $1, but you're still short in $100. Or something along those lines where he gave the wrong uh, figure, and they thought they paid the right denomination, but the taxi driver convinced them otherwise and said, no, you know what? Uh, you paid the wrong amount. And... Uh, at that time, obviously, you don't want to argue because you're like, okay, maybe I did, maybe I didn't pay the hundred dollars. Maybe I only paid one dollars because what he did was he left, uh, he took the one dollar and he said, "Here's the one dollar. This is what you paid me. Here's your one dollar back. Give me the hundred dollars that you owe me." And the, that one dollar could have been his, or it might have been from you. You don't know. And um, you pay the hundred dollars and you leave, and that taxi driver is gone. And then when you go back to the hotel and you're realizing, shucks, you know what? How much did I actually have on me? Did I pay the right amount? Then only does it sink in that, oh, listen, yeah, I've been conned or I've been scammed. I know I had $300 worth me. Now I'm sitting with $200 short or whatever it is. And uh, that obviously also spoils holiday because $100 is sixteen or $15,000. Uh, uh, I mean, 1500 rand. 
it's it's not small money. So just be careful. The less money you keep with you, the less stress you have and the less likelihood you are of getting scammed. Every, ta- Every taxi driver in Dubai has a speed point or a tap and go system which will allow you to uh, tap your card when you jump in. Uh, please always ensure that they uh, use it. If they tell you that they don't have it, um, insist on them producing it. All they have to do is switch it on and allow you to tap. Uh, don't fall uh, victim by uh, paying cash and, um, you know, uh, try to avoid that. People are honest in Dubai, but there are people who are scammers as well. You just got to uh, be vigilant. Uh, don't let your guard down. And yeah, uh, if ever you lose something or something's gone missing, you can always um, phone, like if you're taking the RTA, you can phone the RTA and tell them uh, that on this day at this place you were dropped off. Uh, they can, they do do checks and they would possibly find the driver who you rode with. And if you left your pram or your wallet or everything or anything inside the taxi, you will get you will recover it. Um, everything in Dubai is closely monitored. Whether it is uh, walking on the streets or driving uh, on the roads, there's cameras everywhere. So don't be worried if something happens to you or if you lose something there's always a likelihood that you will find it or get it back. It's just you got to be patient and you got to know who to ask or uh, what to do next. And uh, in most instances, um, like from what we experienced so far, we left our wallet in the in the shuttle of the hotel. When we returned, um, we actually forgot it that night. And the next morning when we woke up and asked the reception to... Uh, double check with the shuttle whether they found it it was already there like at reception waiting for us the person who cleans the shuttle in the morning found it and he was honest enough to leave it at reception and nothing was missing so yeah that's Dubai our honest suggestion to you is try and avoid carrying cash as much as possible it's a tendency that we see happen a lot um, and it's something which is avoidable don't leave your hotel room with bulging pockets, with your pockets hanging uh, through your kurta or, um, you know, what your jeans are showing. Because the minute people see you have money or can see money, you automatically become a target, whether it's a beggar who's coming to you. Remember in Dubai, they don't allow a beggar. But you do get these people who come to you and ask you for help or ask you for assistance. And um, they don't leave you. Like they'll follow you for maybe 200 or 300 meters until you either give them something or you just totally ignore them. But um, yeah, that's the things you need to avoid and that's the things you need to not do. Even if you're walking in the souks, for instance, if you go into Knife Market or Night Market or Karama uh, and you're going to be walking predominantly on the streets, you don't want to touch your pockets every five seconds to feel if your money is there. Uh, I mean, it's nice to carry money with you, but it's also a stress to know that, you know what, it mustn't get messy, it mustn't get stolen. Um, so, yeah, to be uh, uh, at ease rather than worried all the time, our suggestion is carry as much as you need for the day. If you if you run short, so be it. You will withdraw as you need. There are ATMs available everywhere, like we said. 
But um, don't uh, make yourself need to carry money all the time um, because literally a hundred dirhams in Dubai can last you for an entire week. Uh, I can tell you this on good authority. If you think about it, a, a small cup of tea, which is a normal size of chai, is one dirham. The bigger cups are two dirhams. Um, your shawamas from all the uh, street stalls or the side stalls are about five dirhams. Times that by five or by seven is 35. Times two cups of tea, which is, say, you take the bigger ones, four uh, dirhams times seven is 28. You still have change. There's no reason why you need to carry 500 to 1,000 dirhams at the time walking on the street. Most uh, places won't even break a 100 dirhams for you. If you're going to buy one dirham tea or two dirham tea or a tea with a shawarma for nine dirhams and you produce 100 dirhams, they're not going to break it. I can tell you that as a certainty. You need to have coins and you need to have small denominations. Um, and no one's in their life is going to break a 500 for you. I've sat with a 500 dirham note for at least three weeks trying to break it. And I struggled. So, yeah, if you are going to carry cash, be smart. Carry small denominations only for what you need for that day or the week. And, yeah, you'll be fine. The rest you can tap and go with. Um, every restaurant uh, who doesn't uh, um, uh, allow a tap and go would uh, suggest that you um, at least spend more than five dirhams before they allow you to tap and go. But it's fine. Five dirhams is still a shawarma. And, you know, uh, that's what you need to do. You need to learn to tap and go. You know, the strange thing about Clients of ours who ask us on a regular basis that uh, they need advice because they booked with a travel agent and now they don't know whether to fly to Sharjah or fly uh, to DXB or fly to Abu Dhabi uh, and what do they need to do next? Do they need to rent a car? Do they need to take a taxi? Do they need to uh, take the bus from the airport? These things are what DIY travel teaches you. DIY travel is about understanding how to travel, when to travel, where to go. If you book in with a travel agent or if you book in a package, the, the travel agent's duty is to ensure that you are well clued up with what to do when you land in Dubai to the point that any question that you need answered should be answered but the sad reality is that our clients or clients come to us and they ask us for clarity they ask us for advice and we advise them we tell them that we are not in a position to advise them having booked a package or having booked to a travel agent what needs to be done for them because that should have been sorted out with the travel agency itself so when you learn to book and travel on your own. When you DIY travel, you become smart, you become knowledgeable, you can do things on your own account, at your own pace, without asking people. Because that's what you're going to be learning to do, and that's how you're going to be how you're going to master the ability to book and travel on your own. If, for instance, you see a cheap package and it's landing in Sharjah, 
it's not the end of the world. Go and do your homework. See what's available to you. Get the best thing you need to do when you don't know what needs to be done is to go on Google and the first thing you do is type, will I get Uber in Sharjah? If you get an answer that says Uber goes from Sharjah Airport, then you know that you are okay. Worst case scenario, if you don't find a taxi, you can always download the Uber app or you should have an Uber app on your phone already. Likewise, Kareem, you should download that app before you land. So you save the 10 uh, minutes or 50 minutes at the airport downloading the stuff and prepare yourself. What you need to do when you land in any new country is do not go through the exit doors until and unless you've purchased a local SIM card and have data on that SIM card. Whether it's a tourist card for seven days or a tourist card for a month, it's entirely up to you what package you take. But ensure that you have data because nothing will allow you to travel in Dubai unless you have good data, whether you're taking a Kareem or whether you're taking an Uber or whether you're trying to download the uh, pass routes. If you are in the heart of Karama and you need to get to the next metro station and you don't know where it is, there are certain bus points uh, scattered throughout the the immediate vicinity of the metro station itself you need to know how to do how to do these things how to download the maps so that you understand okay the next bus is arriving at one one o'clock it's now 12 30 i need to walk 100 meters uh, or 200 meters or a kilometer and wait for the bus and usually these buses are on time if you go on google and if you see where the bus stop is you the simple thing you can do is click on the picture of the bus stop. Immediately, Google is so educational. It will show you the times of the bus, where it left from, what's its current status, what time it's going to arrive at this bus point, what the next bus point will be, and eventually you'll be able to see uh, the entire route and you'll know, okay, this is either going to the metro station or it's coming from the metro station and... Uh, that's things you need to do. So I can't understand why people would rush to book packages, rush to take the cheapest offer that they think is available to them and not have a clue what to do next and then come and ask that we need help, we need advice, we don't know where to go, we've booked this hotel, uh, we're going to be staying in uh, uh, Dubai, we're going to be staying in um, Terra. Now, uh, do we need to take a taxi? Do we need to rent a car? As a traveler, you need to understand, when I arrive at a new place, mentally, I need to be prepared so that I'm not in shock to the reality that I'm now in Dubai or I'm now in Bangkok, I'm now in um, Beijing, and I don't know what to do next. Because that shock will resonate amongst your family, amongst your travelers. You'll end up fighting. You'll start being edgy. You'll go to the hotel with a taxi and not know what to do next. You'll still be stuck as you were when you just landed. So have an idea. If you are comfortable renting a car, 
ensure that you do this with the rental companies before you land. Make sure, like how we do when we travel, if we are confident we'll uh, rent a car when we land, we uh, get in touch with Avis, get in touch with Hertz, get in touch with um, whichever uh, rental agency you prefer dealing with, and try and see what's the rates, try and see what cars are available so that you can already gauge what you need to be spending on in terms of car rental. The second thing that you need to do is if you're not happy renting uh, renting a car and drive, oh, well, on the point of renting a car, m- make sure that you do not leave South Africa, especially if you're the driver. Make sure you do not leave South Africa without having done your international driver's license. I can't stress on how important this is. An international driver's license lasts you for one year. You can purchase it at any AA store. Um, if you go on Google, I know there's one. If you're in Joburg, there's one in Cresta. If you're in Durban, there's one in Lelouchia Mall. Um, the, the AA stores would sell you the international driver's license. All you need to do is go with copies of your uh, uh, passport. You need to go with your driver's license. You need to pay the fee. I think it's about 400 rand. And you need to go with passport size photos. Once you submit all these, you wait. It will take about 15 minutes to process at the most. And yeah, you'll get your international driver's license. You keep it with you, keep it safe, put it in your passport bag, and make sure that you keep that uh, obviously with you at all times, whether it's uh, during you driving or, um, or whether it's for you to apply for the car rental. You will be asked for it, uh, so make sure it's worth you. And uh, it's just a small document. There's no reason why you can't carry it. Uh, if it, it will fit in your passport. You need to have a passport bag, so that stays with you all the time. If you're not comfortable renting a car or you have fears of um, driving in a new country, we, we, we will be doing a podcast on what it is to drive in a left-hand car um we've driven in europe we've driven now here in dubai and we can safely say that um you know renting a car and driving is not a difficult task uh there's certain apps that you can download there's certain things that you need to do while driving um but do wait for that podcast it's all the tips regarding traveling or driving on the roads in dubai and what apps to use when uh driving because if you do uh, drive, you just need to be comfortable and confident. That's the only two things you need to do. And the rest will all fall in place. If you are not one to drive in Dubai or rent a car, and you're the one that wants to rely solely on um, taxis, taxis are efficient. Taxis um, are available everywhere. When you jump in a taxi, whether you live in the airport or you live in the mall, they do have a base fare. It varies from 7 dirhams to 25 dirhams. So just bear that in mind that your journey already starts uh, with a base fare included in it. You can at times negotiate to have the meter switched off, but reluctantly, most of them won't do that. Um, You can... uh, Move around with the local RTA taxis. Uh, it's quite convenient. Most of the drivers uh, speak English or they would understand where you need to go. 
some drivers who don't have an idea of where you, what you're saying or where you intend going, um, it's good to have your own uh, Google Maps open when you jump into the taxi so that you can uh, guide them or tell them where to go. Uh, or you can also uh, always ask them if you can put your destination in on their uh, maps itself. Because they might take you to a place, for instance, what this, uh, uh, this happened to us now recently. We told them we want to go to a place called um, Juice World, which was uh, on Ulriga Road. And the guy dropped us off like maybe a kilometer away from where we needed to be. And clueless to the fact that we didn't put it on our maps and we relied on his knowledge of where the area was or where the location was. We ended up walking one kilometer more than we needed to walk. So make sure that you put your maps on when you jump in a taxi and make sure they put their maps on so that you know you guys are going to the same place and uh, that will save you obviously time and money. And the second thing is not everywhere will you be able to get a taxi. We spent at least 30 minutes outside uh, Burjuman Metro Station trying to get a taxi. Uh, the time might have been peak, I don't know, but there wasn't. Uh, it the traffic wasn't great. It just we were between two robots, and um, there was like a slip uh, uh, area, uh, sort of like a, it was. A, I'm assuming a taxi uh, drop-off area or bus drop-off area. Um, but hard as we tried to get a taxi, no one stopped for us. And at that time, we had depleted our data. So um, we had no access to Uber or no access to Kareem. And um, yeah, that was just a bit of a difficult situation. The one taxi driver who stopped for us, he literally um, looked like he was uh, done for the day. Um, when he pulled over, he asked us where we were going. And we told him that, no, we go into a place called Jadaf, which was uh, at the waterfront. Uh, this was a day when we were going to um, go for our Dao cruise. So he pretended not to know where Jadaf was. And I found it quite odd that uh, you're a taxi driver, but you don't know the area called Jadaf or Jadaf. Whichever way you pronounce it, it's, there's still a metro called uh, Jadaf as well. So um, I asked him, he said he doesn't know. I uh, tried to pull out the voucher for the Dow Cruise to show like on the voucher the area. Um, he still pretended like he didn't know. That being said, he thumbsucked a figure, uh, not wanting to turn on the meter. And um, he told us that uh, it's 80, uh, uh, 90 dirhams or 100 dirhams somewhere there. And I looked at him and I looked at the steam and I'm thinking, 100 dirhams is what we paid from the airport to halfway to where we were going the first day or almost uh, three quarter. How can this guy ask for 100 dirhams when I'm certain that uh, it must be within a six kilometer radius from where we were? And I told him no. Then he told me, okay, 80. I told him, no, it's too much. He told me, okay, what do you want to pay? I said, no, on the meter. He said, no, no, meter not working. So I said, okay, fine, then leave it. He said, okay, you give me 60, 50. I said, no, no, thank you. Then he got cross and he said, you know, you can't catch taxi here. Uh, you won't get taxi. So I said, no problem, I'll wait. And then he left. 
and about five minutes later, another taxi stopped, and uh, this taxi was uh, courteous enough to assist us, and he switched the meter on. And uh, as we were driving, uh, he was telling us that, you know, it's a busy time, and uh, from four o'clock onwards, um, you know, Dubai gets traffic and whatever else. And one strange thing he mentioned, which still today I can't understand, is that he's like, uh, I only stopped because for uh, uh, you have kids. Or I only stopped for the kids. That day we had a pram, so um, I was holding a pram. Though the kids were not in the pram, uh, it was already closed because we were waiting to jump into the taxi. And he might have seen the pram, he might have seen Taya and Toha, I'm not sure. But um, he said, yeah, you know, he stopped for the kids. So I said, okay. And eventually when he dropped us off with a meter being on, it worked out to, I think, close to 20 dirhams. So that was our entire trip where that guy, the first guy wanted to charge us 100 dirhams for the same trip. So just with taxi drivers, be careful. Um, you can suss them out from the attitude and from the way they uh, present themselves. We have heard that they are rogue taxi drivers who operate uh, unmarked and, um, you know, illegally. So you just need to uh, be wary in, as to how you uh, take a taxi. Don't just jump into any taxi and don't jump into the taxi and say, go, without asking the price upfront, especially if you see they're not willing to do the meter or not willing to switch a meter on. This first guy could have cupped us up to 200 dirhams. We, we would never have known. And he would have insisted. And the thing is, you know, in Dubai, you don't want to fight. You're a foreigner. You don't want to make problems. Um, so, yeah, just be clever and not just jump into any taxi for the sake of getting from one place to another. We have used uh, Kareem. Kareem is quite cheaper. Um, when you do rent a Kareem Uber, uh, a Kareem cab as well, uh, the Kareem base fare is cheaper than what the normal RTA taxis base fares uh, are. So I know like where RTA charges uh, 7 or 9 dirhams, uh, Kareem starts at 4. I don't think you can you can opt out of that. Uh, we haven't uh, used a taxi for a while since we rented our car, so I'm not sure as to that, but I know the base fare does start uh, from a certain number and that you can't uh, opt out from. And likewise, Uber does work here in uh, Dubai, but uh, the locals do tend to use Kareem over Uber. So download the Kareem app if you intend on um, going about um, using Kareem. Another thing to ensure you do when you travel in or before you travel to a new country is have an understanding of what your itinerary will be for the next few days. This is always a good thing to have because it gives you an idea of what you want to do or where you want to go within your your next uh, week or five days or however long you intend to be uh, in a certain place. There are tourist attractions which are bucketless and which you may want to do. And there are uh, places that you want to go to that are on the outskirts as well. So you need to ensure that you have an idea of what is it that you want to do and not confuse yourself with uh, trying to do this on that day and not getting right and then changing your ideas. 
um it just wastes unnecessary time so for purposes of having a clear understanding of where you go in start off by saying okay when i land in dubai if i'm arriving on an early flight let me spend my first day doing something close by to the hotel because generally you will be tired generally you will want to get a good night's sleep on the first night you don't want to go do extreme stuff on the first day and tire yourself because um you'll just mess yourself up for the day after so always start with something closest to the hotel and get that done uh on the first day you arrive so that not only do you get an understanding of the local area that you're in but also you'll be able to see uh, uh something subtle as opposed to uh going full blown uh into something extreme on the first day an example of this would be if you um staying in the dera center or adera area or per dubai maybe plan to do um the gold souk or the night market uh, or knife market or, uh you know on the first day you come so that you can see uh what the culture is like what the area is like um go walk on the street get out of the hotel go see your local vicinity if there's restaurants that you um wanted to try and uh, those restaurants are in your close vicinity go have your first lunch there for instance if you lust for tazaj or albaik or delhi darba or whatever it is and you want to know where it is open your maps do yourself a favor and learn how to study the map in your local vicinity i do this all the time it's not uh unnormal or um abnormal to open the maps and see your area because the nice thing about opening the maps you can search the options of restaurants and all the restaurants in your close vicinity will appear remember every business peter restaurant or takeaway or whatever it is will have a google address it's only seldomly to restaurants and takeaways and stuff don't have google addresses so you will be able to pick out whatever restaurant is close to you a chain store a franchise whatever it is and you'll be able to see how far it is from you so where you can walk to a certain place you should walk i mean a kilometer away from your hotel is not a train smash a kilometer during the heat yeah maybe it's difficult but towards the late afternoon um it's something which is quite nice to do and um rather do that check your local area check your maps see what other options you have um for instance if you on a riga road let's say you stay in in swaz al khurair uh that's one of the popular hotels in that area uh you form part of a mall uh, you form part of the uh, al khurair shopping center so you'll have easy access to all the restaurants and all uh, whatever's on offer in the restaurant but not uh, in the mall but not only that if you go out on the street you'll have juice world you'll have um uh, all the uh, franchise options available such as pizza hut kfc um you'll have uh tazaj they all in that uh, vicinity of uh, you know um al khurair uh, swaz al khurair 
and also you'll have the metro because you'll need to understand that if you have access to a metro, it makes your life easier if you're not taking taxis to jump onto the metro, get to where you need to go. If, for instance, you decide you want to go uh, spontaneously to Mall of the Emirates or you want to go to Dubai Mall, you don't need to take a taxi if you're adjacent or within the immediate vicinity of a metro. Um, it's always good to jump on the metro and um, get to where you need to go. It's uh, easy. It's uh, convenient. And um, the only thing you need to remember is uh, if you're going to do shopping, maybe going to, to a place on a metro is fine. But coming back from a place on a metro is with shopping bags and all of that is not ideal. So in that instance, maybe you can take a taxi on your return. But getting to a place and uh, using a metro uh, is quite convenient. Um, we used it with a pram. There's no hassles. We pushed the pram in. I didn't have to close the pram. Uh, people understand that, you know, um, kids travel as well in the metro. So um, even if you don't get a seat to sit on, standing is still possible. But um, normally people are courteous enough to allow ladies and kids to sit uh, on the seats. So, yeah, um, it's just a short uh, uh, wait while you go between stations standing. So it's not a difficult task um, and you can do, use a metro. So understand your local area, see what's available to you. And uh, from there, you'll be able to plan your day, plan your evening and uh, see what you need to do. The, another thing that you need to consider is if you intend going to the outskirts, like if you intend going to Outlet Mall or Outlet Village or Legoland, those are places which are quite far, up to 40, 50 kilometers from the city center. If you have energy to do it, do those ones in the middle of the week or um, don't leave it for the last two days because if you're going to leave the difficult things for the last days, you're going to tire yourself uh, the days before you fly. So always do the difficult stuff in the middle of your of your week so that you know you can rest uh, when you come back. You're not rushed to pack bags or rushed to get ready and catch a flight. Um, going to Dragon Mart, uh, Outlet Mall, Outlet Village, all would require you to, you know, do a lot of walking, whether it's shopping at all the shops or going to a specific shop, you still need to walk through the mall. Um, so, yeah, you need to prep yourself up for that. You need to uh, have enough time. You need to have enough energy. If you intend going to Legoland, uh, you need to pre-buy tickets. You can get it on arrival, but sometimes they have specials uh, in advance. Sp spending a day at Legoland and the other theme parks would require you to uh, dedicate an entire day. So um, you need to see what you want to do. If you intend going to Atlantis also, start the day off early. Atlantis closes, I think, at around 5 or 6 uh, when uh, Davis does need to start leaving. It's no use you get there 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you rush to go out by 6 o'clock. Um, if you want to enjoy enjoy properly because every place that you go to costs money. Tickets to Legoland, tickets to Atlantis costs anywhere between 500 to 800 per person. Uh, so ensure you don't waste money by going 
for only one or two hours and, you know, regretting not going early. So if you intend to do these big things on a specific day, rather start immediately after breakfast and uh, get going to where you need to go so you have enough time to do whatever you need to do. Those who intend going totally out of the uh, area of Dubai, for instance, if you want to go to um, Rasul Khaimah for a drive, or if you want to go to Hatta for a drive, um, remember, when, you're not, when you don't have access to a car, you're going to be reliant solely on taxi drivers. And you need to negotiate your fares properly beforehand, before you jump into the taxi, because you don't want to be rubbed off. From Dubai to Hatta is about an hour and a half drive. Uh, you need to make sure that the taxi driver uh, gives you the figures up hand and um, get a set price because you mustn't be driving halfway through the, through the journey and it tells you, oh, you know what, here's this, here's that, and you can go here, you can go there, confusing you and eventually charging you double the price that you agreed to when you initially got into the taxi. It's nice to go see Hatta. Hatta is a beautiful place. It's a mountainous area. There's a lot of dams, a lot of lakes. Um, you can go and uh, see the fort. You can go and do uh, all the little excursions on the water. It's a fantastic place to go see. Um, Hatta is also uh, adjacent or at the border of Oman. So um, I don't think there's certain areas that you can go through uh, especially when you're on a tourist visa. I don't think you can go to Oman. Um, but yeah, uh, you can go to the Hatta town itself, which is still in UAE, and explore that area and make it a day trip. Um, and yeah, the thing that you can also do, which um, uh, needs a lot of time, is the, um, you know, the Safari Dunes that any company or um, if you Google on Google to see which companies offer the uh, safari tours, uh, they range from as little as uh, 29 and 30 dirhams to up to 80 dirhams, depending which company you go to. Do check the reviews for each company. Go see, type the words in Google, the best safari uh, tour company or best dune safari. And rather don't offer the cheapest, but offer for the one that has the best reviews so that you know you're getting a good um, experience. Normally what happens with these things is you go in a group of maybe 100 or 50, depending on the day. And what happens is, say you pay the 60 dirhams per person or 50 dirhams per person, they would come pick you up from your hotel, which is a good thing, and they'll return you to, to, to your hotel as well. Or... Some of the cheaper ones don't pick you up from the hotel. They'll have a central pickup point. So they'll have like Mall of Emirates or Dubai Mall. Uh, so just be careful you, when you book the cheaper ones. You might not read the fine print, but they'll ask you to be at a specific place at a specific time. And if you don't get there, then you must, uh, you know, you lose out or uh, you'll must the trip. So that's something to do also as well this June bashing. Uh, it's a six-hour uh, experience. Usually, it starts at around 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, yeah, so one day or one afternoon towards the evening needs to be dedicated for that. So see what you plan to do. See what you're, how you're feeling. Um, 
you can do everything every day, but there's certain things that your body just won't allow you to do. Um, we never thought we'd get sick the first day when we arrived in Dubai. And it just so happened that um, because we we were traveling, or I don't know what it was, that when we got to Dubai, the kids uh, began feeling fluish. And for the next two days, everybody was knocked out. Um, and yeah, we couldn't do much as we wanted to do. All we, we could do was go out and get meals and come back and sleep. So yeah, things like that do happen. You can lose a day or two when people are not feeling well or uh, when you do get a flu. So always ensure that you know you travel with your your uh, vitamins, your um, uh, your effervescents, your vitamin C's, and all of that. Your energy boosters that might help you, um, especially the day you land. Uh, make sure you drink one or have one the day you land, have one the next morning, just so that you know your energy levels are in order. And um, for us, it was fine because we, we really had no rush, so we could chill and, you know, take things easy. But if you're now going to lose two days from your five-day trip or two days from your seven-day trip, um, it's, 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 it's not pleasant. So, yeah, always uh, try and keep your energy levels high and uh, have your vitamin C so that, you know, you, you st- you're okay. And uh, the day before you leave, uh, stay well rested. I know the excitement sometimes makes people not sleep at all, but that's just silly uh, because when you do come then to Dubai, you're so babalas um, and if you're not feeling well, it just makes you more miserable and um, the, it makes uh, your trip... Uh, a little more difficult. I know that we've traveled before and uh, getting sick is unavoidable, but we always travel with our little uh, medical um, bag. We buy or we carry with us all our necessities. Uh, what we found here in Dubai is that medication that we generally do get in South Africa um, is not easily available here. And the price of medication here is quite high on certain things as opposed to what we pay in South Africa. Um, most chemists here would give you herbal stuff. So if you got a cough um, and it's one of that uh, bad coughs, they're going to give you herbal stuff. They're going to give you uh, uh, mild, uh, you know, cough syrups. Um, but yeah, if you prefer a certain type of cough syrup and you know you can't uh, travel without it, rather get it from home when you leave or before you leave, keep it in your travel, in your medicine bag and um, know that when you do get sick, at least you'll have uh, that or you'll have the tablets that you require. Uh, They also, most instances, um, you'll need to, uh, if you are feeling fluish or whatever it is, they got a very good brand called Panadol, which... uh, it's like your Panados, but it has uh, like the different variants. It's extra strong. There's Panadol Night, Panadol Sinus. So if you want to, you can go and get uh, these things. They are available over the counter. And yeah, those tend to work. We used them for the first few days when we were feeling sick. And yeah, we, we didn't need to take anything else. It worked for us. And we got that not even from a canvas, but from the local um, grocery store. Some grocery stores do stock the uh, basic necessities such as 
you know, your strep cells, your panadols, your prospane, cough syrup, uh, all those things. So, yeah, it's always good to keep that. Even if you don't think you'll use it, just buy uh, one or two and keep it with you because you never know when you feel fluish. You never know when you're feeling uh, tired or sick or whatever it is, and this will always help you. One other point to remember when traveling to Dubai or to any new city is that when you leave your home, don't go with a bag full of your own home goodies. Don't come with tennis biscuits. Don't come with Mari biscuits. Don't come with things that you get in South Africa to eat here in Dubai. Um, there's so many nice things to purchase, so many different stuff to taste. If you go into the local grocery stores, if you go into the mall, you go into Carrefour, you go into Lulu's, you'll find an array of different international products, be it biscuits, be it sweets. Uh, remember, coming to a new place means you want to try new things. You don't want to bring your old stuff with you from your home. You don't want to travel with five roses, tea bags, unless you really like the taste and can't adapt to different tastes, uh, which is strange because Dubai, the best tea comes from the road, your kuraks. Uh, it's one dirham and two dirhams. Uh, that's the best tea you're going to have. Uh, but if you want for your own tea and you don't like trying new things, um, then, yeah, you can come with your own stuff. But generally, people would tend to buy stuff to take back home. So another thing to keep in mind is come with an empty bag uh, because that bag you're going to use to buy your stuff, you're going to use to buy your groceries or not groceries, snacks or chocolates or um whatever else you feel you need to take back with you home. And uh, you can use that bag to put all your goodies that you buy, be it extra clothing or extra handbags or shoes or whatever it is. Um, it's always good to have an extra bag with you. So what happens is normally if you have in like a three-piece luggage bag, um, uh, you use a hand luggage obviously on a flight. The middle one you can use to pack your clothes in. And then keep the big one for extra stuff. Well, normally what happens is uh, we get carried away when you're in a new place and you shop, shop, shop. And the day when you leave in or the night before and you're trying to pack, you realize you're short for space. And then you panic and you rush to go buy uh, a bag and you waste time looking for one. So just keep that in mind. When you come, do come with um, an extra empty bag or at least duffel bags. And, you know, whatever you buy, you can always fill and uh, put the stuff in there so that you uh, know exactly what's going on with the stuff, uh, with what you brought and what you leave with eventually. And while you are in a new city, always give it a try to try different cuisine, to try different things. Um, I'm the type that loves Shani and Vimto. Uh, here in Dubai, you get it at every supermarket, every takeaway shop, every side shop. Um, so yeah, so enjoy the stuff that you like while you are in Dubai. If you're the type that doesn't want to take anything home, um, make good use of everything while you are here. The uh, drinks are all different. The crisps and chocolates are different. Um, the ice creams are different. Go and try Baskin Robbins. Go and try um, your Cold Stone Creamery. Go and see what different um, ice creams they have, what different treats they they have. Go on the streets, walk on the streets. You'll find 
in every vicinity at least one bakery that makes fresh naan, fresh um, uh, parathas. They make this Iranian naan, um, naan kima, cheese naan. Go try it. Have it hot. It's uh, inexpensive. Um, you know, it's it's a nice experience. Drink as much curry as you can from as many places as you can. Um, the first time in my life I tried Kashmiri pink tea was here in Dubai. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Not every store or every takeaway has Kashmiri pink tea. There's only a select few. So wherever you are, always ask what's different on the menu uh, or what's different uh, at their stall or at their small shop and give it a try because you never know what you'll enjoy. You never know what would make you feel better on that day, whether it's a hot day walking on the street and you want to have a cold vimto or whether you're just tired from a long day and want to have like a cup of tea. Um, it's always good to go on the streets, always good to... Uh, go get the local stuff, um, the fresh juices that they make, the um, decorated juices that they have, uh, where they layer the avocados, the um, uh, the mango, and the strawberry. It's usually called uh, tabakat, and uh, that's the layered one where you get the mango, uh, strawberry, and avocado. Then you can try for a drink called Abud. It's made out of mango and there's a little honey inside. Each of these small shops on the side of the road usually do sell these um, sort of uh, decorated drinks. And it's always a good thing to try it. Uh, it's refreshing. It's uh, Although some say it has a lot of sugar in it. Um, but yeah, that's what makes it more nice. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to try things from the street. Um one thing to always remember, and I don't know how true this is, but we usually do it, um, some say uh, it works, is that when you go to a new place, the way to get your tummy adapted to the local cuisine and local food without, uh, you know, getting runny tummies and um, uh, all of those things is to immediately try anything from the land or anything that's grown from the land. Now, um, I don't know about Dubai specifically, but like uh, they say, if you eat an onion from any shop, uh, make sure you eat at least an onion so that your body can get accustomed to the, um, you know, to, to whatever's homegrown in, this, in, the, in Dubai, in whichever city you're in. And that will help your body adjust or your tummy to adjust to whatever food you're eating from the street. Remember, some people don't like eating street food because they're scared that uh, their stomach, their tummies will be upset and uh, they just don't take the risk. But you must sit out on the nice stuff of life. So go for every meal that you can. Uh, have your franchise meals, have your uh, fast food at the restaurants, whatever it is. But also go try the local street foods because those are the ones that are most enjoyed, especially when you sit in uh, on the side uh, or uh, on the busy roads, at the small cafes or at the small street shops. And, you know, it's a different experience. You watch your life go by, you watch people do their own things, and you sit and enjoy your small shawarma or your uh, design designer um, drink. Um, these are all things to be enjoyed while you're in a different country. So don't be afraid. Even if it's an ice cream, you you get different types of ice cream. You get avocado ice cream, pineapple ice cream. 
these are not uh, your brand, your franchise shops. These are local street shops that sell all these different, different things. So it's always a good thing to give uh, it a try and especially uh, encourage your kids, encourage everyone traveling with you to also try it because uh, you never know who likes it and who enjoys it and who will want to go back for more. In closing, just a thought uh, that you should know before you, um, you know, before your journey comes to an end, after you had the fun exploring your new city, after you've seen all the attractions, explored the different places, tried the different cuisines, now you're ready to go back home. Please make sure that you read your boarding pass and read the times and understand exactly what time you go in. It, far, it happens far too often that we accustomed to seeing time in the local time and uh, we take for granted that, you know what, um, we, we will be leaving at a specific time or if we leave in at 8 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock at night, uh, that's a normal time for us because coming from South Africa, like we used to our airports having the last flights at 10 p.m., and that's done. Here in Dubai and in the Middle East, uh, it's different. They fly 24 hours a day. And we made a mistake when we were in Jeddah when we thought our flight outbound was at, um, well, for some odd reason, we didn't read our boarding pass correctly. It showed that the time outbound was 1.30 a.m. And we assumed, uh, obviously being jet-lagged and obviously... Uh, uh, having spent uh, two days already in Chita, but we just didn't get accustomed to reading local time as how we're supposed to have done. Um, we thought the flight going out to Medina was at one thirty in the afternoon because we assumed that no flight flies at uh, midnight or past midnight. And yeah, while we were sitting in the hotel relaxing, uh, we got the notification to say your flight was boarding. And at that time, we thought nothing of it because normally you do get notifications like a day before to say your flight is boarding. Do you want to do an online check-in and all of those things, which you need to do. You need to do online check-in so you can reserve your seats and um, select where you want to be on the flight. But we thought, okay, you know what? Um, we already did the online check-in earlier that afternoon and um, we were ready to leave, but we never knew we were leaving at 1.30 a.m., we thought we were leaving at 1.30 p.m. the next morning. So uh, that wasn't an issue. And as we were relaxing, we saw the email come in. We left it uh, at around 3.30 a.m. just before we were getting ready to go to bed. We got another email to say that uh, you have arrived and uh, rate the flight. And then only did it strike me that uh, something really was wrong. Because why would I get an email to say you have arrived? And when I went back and looked at the online check-in that I did, I couldn't access the page because it wasn't allowing me to, you know, go uh, online anymore to uh, manage the page, uh, to manage the booking. And when I checked the printout of the boarding passes that I had with me, I realized that the mistake I made was thinking that the flight was at 1.30 p.m., when it was, in fact, at 1.30 a.m. and we missed our flight. Um, yeah, that wasn't a big problem because it was a local flight, but um, it's just something to be wary about that um, flights do leave at odd hours. Um, 
1.30 a.m., 2.30 a.m., 5.30 a.m. You just need to make sure you see the correct time. And, um, yeah, you'll be good to go on your flight back home. Take all your bags. Don't forget anything at the airport. Don't forget anything in a hotel. Keep all your stuff with you and get to the airport timelessly. Be there at least four hours before departure and uh, you'll be all good to go home. That's the end for this podcast. Uh, Join us for other podcasts or see our selection of other podcasts. If there's something that you feel you want to know more about and the subject catches your eyes, uh, you can always give a listen to that podcast and see uh, how we DIY travel and how uh, we encourage people to do things on their own and what tips uh, tips and uh, travel ideas you can get from our other podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.